mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Welcome back, guys, to Manager Martinis, and I'm Adam, and here's Danielle. Hi. We have a kind of cool interview with Darcy Lockman. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're good. I am good. Yeah. I studied. I did my research. So why don't you tell everybody what she's about? Okay. Well, we've been delving into this whole mental load concept. Um, if you haven't listened to the mental load episode that we did with Life Coach Amy, then definitely go back and give that a listen as well. But this was really exciting because this takes it even, I think, one step deeper because she did so much research about this this pervasive problem that's going on, it seems like. And from all the polls we did on Marriage and Martinis with 96% of our uh, followers and listeners saying that the mental load is a huge issue for them, this is something that we definitely need to be talking about. So she did a ton of research. She spoke to hundreds of couples um, and used a lot of other research about this kind of inequality that seems to be going on with when it comes to uh, home life between moms and dads. And may I just add? I don't know. Guys, if any of you guys are listening, mm-hmm. this is a little intimidating, a little like... Uh, well, you represented... I represented, yeah. and not only did I not represent, did you? You did she, represent. Not only did I not, not only did I represent. There you go. Thank you. She was very cool and understanding. Very cool, and she really of, wanted to hear she, what you had to say. I almost had nothing to say on purpose. I just wanted to let this thing be its thing, and she said, "No, I want to hear what you have to say." Yeah, she was super cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to her. I actually, um, I really liked her. Like, I felt like I could hang out with yeah. her, which was really neat because I, she was, she's not like a stiff, uppity research That's person. That's what I'm trying she's to say. She's super cool. Yeah. So uh, Darcy Lockman is a clinical psychologist uh, and she practices in New York City. And her writing has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post. She was recently on NPR. I think even Katie Couric interviewed her, which I'm super jealous that she got to meet Katie Couric. Pretty cool. Um, And you can find the book, All the Rage, on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. I just read it. It's fantastic. It gives so much great um, information. And we ask her a bunch of really great questions. So go get the book. And maybe we'll have a little book club or something. But... um, here it is, our interview with Darcy Lockman. So enjoy. It's, it's She answers a lot of good questions. Hi, Darcy. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm good. How are you, Darcy? I'm well, thank you. I am really excited to, to speak with you today. We recently have gotten into the topic on our show about this whole idea of the mental load. And 
we did our first episode on it, I guess a couple of weeks ago, we had our life coach on who also happens to be my sister. And we talked all about this idea of these invisible tasks that we're doing that nobody seems to be noticing. And there's this, this real visceral anger that seems to be happening, taking place, whether it's silently or out loud. And I think what I love so much about what you're doing and with this book and this new conversation that's happening is that it's forcing us to at least open up the dialogue. So first of all, thank you. I want to say that because you are definitely taking a huge leap and I appreciate that. And I'm sure so many of our listeners appreciate that. But I want to know, first of all, a little bit about you and especially why you wrote the book and why you called it All the Rage. Yes. Well, about me. Um, so I'm a psychologist. I'm a therapist primarily, and I live in New York. Um, and I have two little girls, six and nine. And my husband and I have been together for about 15 years. And we're both pretty uh, liberal, progressive, egalitarian type of people. And we went into parenting with the vague notion that we were totally in it together. Having, of course, no idea what that would mean because you don't know what that involves until you have your kids. But things didn't work out that way. Most of the work of managing them defaulted to me. And my husband, who's a great father, wasn't even aware of a lot of it. And I found myself, like many mothers, um, overwhelmed and resentful. And when I tried to talk to my husband about it, it, it was very difficult because he would get defensive because um, I was angry and people get defensive when confronted with anger. Um, and it wasn't just us. It was everyone around me. You know, I when my daughters started preschool, I made a lot of friends with little kids and all the women would say the same thing. Everyone was really mad. And every day of my children's early lives, I found myself asking the question, why are we living like this? This, this isn't 1950. This is not what any of us signed up for. Why does it still go this way? And it really became this burning question for me. And before I went back to school to be a psychologist, I was a journalist. So I thought, um, hey, I can set out to answer this question. I w I'm going to figure out what the answer is. So that was the genesis of the book, just really wanting to answer this question for myself of why do we have that, this expectation of equality and why does it rarely go that way? Did you think what happened was you got to a place where you needed that answer for yourself because in your own marriage, you were feeling like you were allowing this to happen and you, you, you didn't want that to happen anymore. You didn't want to feel like this anymore. You know, yeah, I didn't want to feel like that anymore. That's true. But I was just super curious. Like, what what in the world? Like, my husband wouldn't have said he wanted this. I would, didn't want this. None of the women I knew were, like, um, tied to being traditional, traditional, and neither were their husbands. So, so yeah, I, w I wanted the answer for myself. I didn't know if the answer would help me, but I, but I wanted to know. I needed to know. So I set out, like a reporter would, to find out. And I really dug into the research. I interviewed a lot of couples as well. But I dug into the research in sociology and anthropology and neuroscience to really kind of drill down on um, why in 20, you know, I started the book in 2016. Why are we still living like this? And what, yeah, 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 go ahead. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, well, all right. So you said, you know, it wasn't, it's not the 1950s anymore. Like, why should we be living this way? So I, my question is, well, how do you think this came to be? Is it because back in the 1950s, you know, women stayed home, they didn't work, men went to work, women did the parenting. Does it all stem from that, in your opinion? Well, it, you know, a lot of women did work. There's like this mythology around the idea that, that mothers didn't work, but a lot of people were not in the financial position, certainly, to not be working. So there is, you know, there were more mothers not in the workplace then than there are now, certainly. The numbers of the number of mothers with young children who are in the workforce peaked in the mid-90s and, you know, climbed steadily through the 70s and the 80s. So certainly there is a history of women doing most of the unpaid labor, be that caring for children or cleaning the floors. Um, <clears throat> I think though, what, what happened was, you know, we have this idea of like leave it to beaver and how families were and families were that way for only a brief time in history. You know, before that things certainly weren't that way. What happened was dads started getting a lot more involved with their kids. So Parents today go into parenting with, with this cultural notion of the modern involved father. What they don't, you know, the part of that equation that's left out is that the modern involved father who's really involved with his kids isn't necessarily doing all the work of co-parenting. So the book I wrote is really a book about co-parenting and not about fathers. But this belief in the modern involved father kind of translates for people who haven't had kids yet to the idea that co-parenting is good going to be shared. You know, it's going to be a 50-50 split. So the fact that dads are a lot more involved with their kids and know more about their lives got really conflated with the idea that dads do half the work. And what the time use data, which is collected by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, shows is that um, participation in the work of parenting by fathers leveled off at 35% in the year 2000. And this is when you look at couples where both members of the couple are employed. So I wasn't actually looking at stay-at-home moms, not that they don't have um, problems with this as well, but I was only actually looking at the research around two career couples. So in two career couples, mothers do 65% of the childcare work, which is which involves cooking and laundry. So there are chores in it, but as well, you know, homework, all that stuff. So when it's broken down, it's about 65, 35. And again, that, that hasn't shifted in the last 20 years. So this idea we have of dads doing half the work was really more about dads just being more involved with their kids, not ever about dads doing half the work. So the, the 65, 35 thing that, we that you talk about, in the book, you sort of say that women seem to be okay with this number almost that we're accepting the fact that to us yeah that's kind of equal kind of makes sense and and so instead of saying no 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 that's not co-parenting that's yeah. he's doing more of the work they're yeah. saying well he listen he's better than the dad around the corner and he's better than this one's husband and and we're we're instead giving them uh permission in a sense that's to continue right. like this by saying Oh, well, that's okay. I, I'm, you, they're well, not as bad as... The study that you're referring to was a really interesting one. And this study actually looked at couples within couples. So this wasn't just looking at men and women who were employed. They were looking at couples. And what, what the authors of this study did was, again, with the time use diaries. So they collected time use data from couples. And then they compared... Um, the amount of work that men were doing with the amount of work their wives were doing. And um, so the couples didn't know what percentage of the work they were doing, but the researchers knew because they had the time use diaries. 
So then what the researchers did was they looked at the time use diaries of the couples and they went back to the couples, didn't tell them the results of the time use and just said, you know, how do you feel about the fairness of the division of labor in your house? And the people who reported the greatest fairness, men, so men who were doing 35, about 35% of the household labor, according to their time use diaries, reported the greatest feelings of fairness. I guess men who were doing more must have reported less fairness, um, and the guys on the lower end too. But the interesting thing was not that men thought that 35% was fair. Again, they were blind to the numbers. It was just their feeling about the division of labor. Um, when they said to women, and these women didn't know what percentage they were doing exactly because they hadn't looked at the data, but they said to women, you know, what do you think about the fairness in your house? And the women who reported the greatest fairness were those who were doing about 65%. Now, this is totally unrelated to the 65-35 finding that I talk about in the book. This is a completely different study. So what the study's authors conclude is that um, both women and men seem to feel that things are the most fair when women are doing about two thirds of the labor. So I thought that was such an interesting finding because again, the women didn't know explicitly that they were doing two thirds and the men didn't know explicitly that they were doing one third. It was just sort of about their general feelings of whether things were divided in a fair way. So I thought this spoke really interestingly to kind of the baked in sexism um, of our society and the way we sort of imagine we're supposed to behave in our homes. And a lot of that has to do with going back to the fact that we're supposed to be the nurturers and we're the most maternal and we have these instincts. But a lot of that isn't based on scientific evidence that, that we should be more, we should have more of those instincts and everything. That's sort of just something that we've told ourselves over time. Yeah. So an instinct has a really specific meaning in biology. It's a behavior that doesn't vary within a species and that happens automatically in response to a stimulus. So human beings actually have very few instincts left. Um, you know, we have reflexes, but in order to kind of operate in our worlds, we rely on learning. So for example, when a rat has a baby, every rat mother that has a baby does um, engages in the same set of behaviors afterwards. And I can't remember exactly what they are, but human beings, obviously, when they give birth, um, what they do depends upon the culture that they're giving birth in. Parenting skills are learned. They're not innate for males and females both. So um, maternal instinct is a really, um, it's used really loosely, colloquially. Biologists wouldn't use the term, but we don't really talk about paternal instincts. And the idea of maternal instinct seems to kind of reinforce this idea that mothers are really better at this and should carry most of the responsibility. And that's part of the reason that it's problematic because we have this underlying idea that, well, this is our natural realm, the home and with the kids. And so that kind of perpetuates the cycle. Yeah. I mean, what we think of as natural is really more about cultural habit. Right. It's sort of what, what's happened over time. Um, because you say it'll be 75 years at this rate before men do half the work. Yeah, that's according to Men Care, which is a global fatherhood campaign promoting gender equity in the home. So I, that's not my finding. That's what that's what they, um, and I'm not sure what their metrics are, but that's what they have um, established or kind of, that's what they say. UN Women actually recently said it would be another 200 years. Uh, again, I'm not, not sure what they base that on exactly. 
um, but if you look around the world, clearly things like women in India, for example, do much more unpaid, much uh, a much higher percentage of the unpaid labor than the men in India. So you know, in the in the first world, while we're at like one third, two thirds in division, it's worse in um, worse in the third world for women. So that includes everyone around the world in terms of unpaid division of labor. But pretty much everywhere, women are doing more of the child to more of the, the work with child rearing. Yeah, there's no known society in which men do the bulk of all child rearing. That's true. Clearly, that flow, women are pregnant. Women breastfeed. So the assumptions we make based on those two facts um, stand in for men ha kind of having more freedom and less responsibility. But the idea of for us when we talked about the the mental load was the first time that we really delved into this topic, and it was before actually it's your time your book timing was perfect for us because. We literally just a few weeks ago, before I even had heard about your book, we we did this, and it's yeah. interesting because a lot of times Adam and I during the podcast will, when it's just one on one, we can fight and everything like that. But when you have a guest on, i.e., yeah. my sister at the time, yeah. you have to kind of play it cool. And then afterwards, sometimes you turn off the mics, and it's like I want to fucking kill you. Yeah. So yeah. that night after that episode, because. <laughs> It was really hard to open up about that, especially with somebody else there. And we've spoken about it and everything. But I think this was in a situation where it was very validating for me. And so that was really hard for him. And all this information, all these statistics and everything is are very, it's very validating because sometimes in your mind, you think to yourself, well, I must be the only one thinking it's like this. Yeah. Because otherwise we would all be divorced. Yeah. So obviously, you know, 50, 60% of the marriages, it seems like it must be equal. Maybe it's, you know, they're still married. So that night afterwards, we got in, I mean, a rage, all the rage, a raging fight because it broke open this can of worms sounds too small, this atomic bomb that had been building. And so I, I just, I think part of the thing that we talked about also in the mental load is the idea that we're also just not getting the recognition that we're not, you know, we're doing all this extra work, this 65%. And, and then a, a dad takes his kids out for the day to the mall and everyone looks and says, look at that good dad. And look at, and, and, and then we come home and it just seems like we've done all these little tasks while they're out doing that. And, it seems like sometimes we don't get as much credit for being behind the scenes a lot of the time. Yeah. And I, so I'm wondering, is that part of the first answer? Is the first answer just to get it out there and start saying, let's just acknowledge it. Yeah. Yes. That, I, that's, um, I think a, a big piece of it. And Adam, you don't look happy. And I'm thinking like, Danielle's <laughs> really excited to talk to me. And Adam's like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I want to do this. I, I promise to be on my best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be. I want you to speak up. But I know sometimes dads are a little defensive about this stuff. And when I hear you guys had a big fight about it, and trust me, we've had many I'm in the years leading up to this book. But now I'm not mad anymore because I wrote this book. <laughs> right. Well, and it's super cool. And your husband is super on board with it. He was, yeah, from the beginning. I mean, he <laughs> he wasn't the first person I talked to about the idea because I didn't even want to talk to him about it until I had like some confirmation that it was a good idea. So he was the third person I talked to about it. And I was like, look, we've just gotten past like a really rough time around this stuff. 
if you're not into me like digging back into it for this I'll scrap the idea and come up with another one and he was like he, he got kind of quiet and he said no you know I think a lot of women are gonna want to read that so I was like so that yeah he was he was on board um and excited about it though it, you know it's hard because it was a big area of conflict and I think men can get um understandably feel like they're being accused of being bad fathers which is why I, I feel like I want to be so clear in, in saying like, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, it's funny because my nine-year-old picked up the book when the advanced review copies came, which I didn't know she had done. I thought she was reading Harry Potter and I was in the kitchen and I heard from the couch, mom, you never told me you and dad went to couples therapy. And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry when you were three and we went for couples therapy. <laughs> um, right read a little further and she said mom you know you're wrong dad does a lot so that you know I think that's really a nice thing to hear because it just affirms her experience of her father is very different than my experience of a co-parent which I'm so you know I'm so glad about that and I'm not surprised at all um but and now I've lost my train of thought in terms of what you asked me but well, yeah, I, th I think talking about it right so I mean I was so surprised at how much research there was I mean I knew that I was experiencing this and I knew that my friends were experiencing this which gave me, you know, a good starting point. But there's this, you know, this whole field of family studies research where I tell you, they have looked at every single metric around this. There is nothing left to measure in terms of who's doing more in the home. They've been very thorough. So it's really such a ubiquitous problem. And I've gotten emails from women and the book's only been out for a couple of weeks, but I've already heard from women saying, I, I feel so seen. I thought I was crazy. I thought I was doing something wrong. I cried the whole time I was reading this book. I don't know if that's a good advertisement for it or not, but you know, I think- No, it like, is because a lot of people said with the mental load episode that they cried too, because I, I think it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a cathartic cry. It's a good, you know what I mean? It's, it's a cry that we maybe, maybe we all need to have. Maybe that's the first step. Right, to say, I'm not crazy. I'm not imagining this. Because I think, you know, w when I was interviewing women, a lot of them would just say, and I think this might have been true for you and Adam, it was true for me and George, um, men are like, what are you talking about? I do a lot. Because children create a lot of work. And like you're saying, a lot of what, a lot of the mental load is invisible. Like I know the 10 things that need to happen today in order for my children's lives to run. Um, and my husband does not carry the mental load in the same way. And there's a lot of interesting mental load research too around who does more of the remembering. Can you believe this has actually been quantified by sociology? It has. The studies are in the book um, and they're fascinating. So women also carry more of the mental load. And when men are carrying the mental load and asked to give an example of it, what they found is that their mental load is often reminding their wives that she said she was going to do something for them. So like the example of the, that the researcher gives in one of the articles is, you know, when men were carrying the mental load, it was something like, I reminded my wife, she said she would buy me a new jacket, <laughs> right? So it's like, it, it, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting research, anyway. Right, reminding. That. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. All right. You asked me to. Yeah. Adam's me to speak about up. to pour some vodka instead <laughs> of the wine. Yes, we to speak up. I, I just want to kind of go into our situation, um, and maybe why we fought so hard about this because I think our situation is different. Danielle was a stay-at-home mom for 13 years, so in my opinion, yeah, you're right. You do. 80% of the work, whatever the okay, right number is. Don't go there because well, there was a lot that went on with us. That, no, I, I understand that. Okay, that. But, but I think in, in what you, who you're writing to is the working mom and the working dad. And 
So, 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 the, so they both work 100%. And then the mom's work at home is 65%. And the dad's is 35%. So there's that change, you know, short change there for, for the mom. That's completely unfair. I, I completely get and understand that. So how, how would you relate that to a non-working parent? Somebody who, you know, one goes out to work and one stays home. Yeah, that's a good question. So the reason that I focused on two working parents in the book is that I figure that um, if someone is not working, they've come to some sort of agreement that that the person who's not working is going to do most of the work of the home. But I will say one of the interesting things um, that I heard from women who, you know, and I wasn't interviewing stay-at-home mothers for the book. I was, I was interviewing full-time employed moms. But one woman said to me, and this rang so true, was that she knew some stay-at-home dads. And in those couples, when the moms got home from work, they took over and did everything, right? So their, their husbands would get a break. And she said what she saw um, with her friends who were stay-at-home moms was the same thing didn't happen. The dads didn't come home and take over. Um, so the stay-at-home moms like never got a break while the stay-at-home dads at least got some relief when their wives came home. And I think this, you know, there's a, another super interesting research finding, and there are so many of these in the book, about the relative comfort that men and women have with either under or over-benefiting. And without me explaining that term, do you know what I'm saying, under and over-benefiting, or should I explain it? You can, you can explain it a little bit. Yeah. So if you're the one who's under-benefiting, you're the one doing most of the work. Um, while the other person relaxes. And if you're the one who's over-benefiting, generally speaking, you're doing the relaxing while the other person's doing the work. Both, so what they found is in domestic life, there are negative emotions associated with both positions, either with under or over-benefiting. People who under-benefit are likely to feel anger and rage, and people who over-benefit are likely to feel fear and self-reproach. Both ends of the spectrum involve negative feeling, both under and over-benefiting. It doesn't feel good to anybody. But an interesting finding from the study is that while both can feel bad, so what they found was that you know, again, both both positions are associated with negative feeling, but men are relatively more comfortable with over-benefiting, and women are relatively more comfortable with under-benefiting. And I think it's really about the way boys and girls are raised, girls to think about others and be, as I say, communal, and boys to be more agentic and think about their own needs. So I think, you know, that really speaks to the stay-at-home, or the full-time working mom with the stay-at-home dad who rushes home and relieves him because she's not comfortable over-benefiting. And it also speaks to the stay-at-home mom who doesn't get a break when her husband gets home because he's more comfortable with over-benefiting. So I don't know what, what went on between you guys when you weren't working, Danielle. And, you know, clearly marriage is complicated and difficult in the best circumstances. Um, but, I, you know, I, I thought that was... anymore. Not for you anymore. Congratulations. Nope. nope. We're, we're working it all out. <laughs> In front of 500,000 people, we're working it all out. <laughs> oh my God, what a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you, get yourself a microphone and a podcast and you save your marriage. Someone has suggested to me that my husband and I do a podcast. He has so far said no, but we'll, we'll see. We'll have to work on it. I'll tell him. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, tell him to come on with us first and we'll break him in. <laughs> <laughs> He says he's working on his response to my book. So maybe you guys can be the ones who air it. <laughs> uh, uh-oh. Don't have Adam get on his team. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just think it's so interesting about the whole um, 
the compensating and everything, because I do think that we are by nature, listen, I don't think it's just with husbands. I think we're also the type of people who we don't want to say no. We don't, we, we hate to be the person who can't take on the one extra task where by nature, we don't like being that person who just admits we can't do it all maybe. Well, but I want to say, Danielle, not by nature, but by nurture. Right, right. And that makes total sense too. Yeah. It's the way um, I think it's how, girl, it's how girls are raised. Um, and, and you see, I feel like I didn't, my husband is the first man that I've ever lived with. And I feel like just in living with him, I see how differently he moves through the world. And I don't think it's him. I think it's kind of a male thing. And I give this example in the book, which is so kind of benign, but I feel like it says a lot. Like, so I don't know if, I don't know if you guys read this part, but he like, he will lie on our bed and he's very tall. So he'll lie like lengthwise across the bed. Um, And when I come into the room, he doesn't move to make space for me until I ask him to. And I know for me, automatically, if I am taking up space and someone enters a room, I move. And I feel like that is so demonstrative of the difference in how girls and boys grow up. Um, my husband is a great guy. He's, he's a therapist. He's totally generous and kind. So it's not like he's such a selfish asshole. He doesn't move. It's not that at all. It's just like, and I'm in any room and someone comes in and I make space for them. I don't, you know, I'm in a doctor's office, I'm wherever. And it's just, I don't, there's not the same kind of consideration and you really see it. Like I never saw it until I was, you know, I, until I was living with a guy. And then I started to see it. It's like, wow, we just occupy such different headspace because of the um, pressures, like the societal pressures around being your gender, I guess. Gender. Right. It's so true. And, and it's so interesting that we, we claim to have come so far. And in some ways, I know we have. But it also feels like maybe, in my opinion, so the last few years, I know this is a completely different topic, but you look at the Me Too movement, you look at Time's Up, you look at all these things that are going on now that maybe, again, totally different scenario, different um, subject matter completely. But this idea that maybe now you wrote this book, now we're breaking open this new topic. uh, Maybe this is really the first step to what you say since 2000 kind of has been really, really slow maybe now we're kind of busting it open and if and, and we're going to be a little more brave in saying hell no i want you to step up yeah right i need this to go farther and i thought about me too a lot as i was writing the book it and it appeared you know it's funny because i was writing the proposal um late 2015 through late 2016 i worked really slowly on the proposal um so me too hadn't happened um, the 2016 election hadn't happened. It seemed like this very different landscape, and suddenly all this stuff was breaking open. And I and I did really feel like this was this was um, this was a part of it, even though, as you say, they're two very different things. Like women just saying, like, yeah, things are better, but they they haven't gone far enough yet. Because I think for a while we were living in many ways with the idea that they'd gone far enough, we were good. Um, but yeah, I, I think the idea that that we've got further to go needs to be reintroduced. And, and right now, we're, I think a lot of um, stuff is highlighting that. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Do you think it's possible to have a, in 100 years from now, or 75 years, whoever it was that said that, is it possible to have a 50-50 split? Are guys capable of doing this? I know we, we talked about just a little bit before, is it ingrained you know, in women that they're the nurturer or the caretaker? Um, is there possibly a little bit of truth to that, that men just don't have that gene to Absolutely. automatically... <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying that yes, I'm not trying to defend that saying, hey, we're, oh, no, we're you're asking you know, we can't question. do it and here's my excuse. I'm not yeah. saying that at all. I'm just curious. You know, you're asking a very good question. And there's a whole chapter in the book because it really speaks to the myths we have around who is innately better at parenting. Now, I didn't know this before I started my research, and maybe you guys knew this. Men's hormones change when they spend time in intimate contact with a pregnant partner. Did you know that? Wait, men's Hormones change. Hormones. You can't even say the word. Hormones. So the same hormones that go up in women when they are pregnant, and that's like prolactin and progesterone. I'm not a biologist. It's it's in the book, but I don't have it in front of me. But all those hormones that rise when a woman is pregnant rise in her partner as well. Now, to a lesser degree, but they change. And if you read anthropologists, they talk about how this is like the best indicator that in our in primate evolution men too became primed to be parents and you know the reason for this is that babies human babies primate babies require so much care much more care than one partner can give so in order for the species to kind of thrive men needed to parent too so men are also biologically changed um, during a pregnancy. Now, if a guy impregnates a girl and takes off and never sees her again, his hormones don't change. It's the, it's the intimate exposure to a pregnant partner. And they don't really know what the mechanism is for this in humans, but they do know what it is in marmosets, which is a kind of monkey. There is actually a hormone excreted by the fetus that the mother can't metabolize so it comes out in her urine. So the scent of the pregnant woman's urine is what kicks off the hormonal changes in her partner. Wow. Yeah. So men, you know, Adam's question about whether there's just some gene missing in men. No, in fact, just the opposite. It's, it's the same genes are there. And there have been some interesting uh, brain imaging studies with adopted parents and gay men raising babies without maternal participation. And the brain activity in primary male parents is basically the same as in primary female parents. So it's really the act of parenting that um, and, and the learning that happens that uh, that impacts kind of what, what happens in the brain. So the brain activity in secondary care parents looks a little different than in primary care, but it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman doing the primary care. That's what the brain imaging studies have found. There's, there's uh, just a small body of research on this, but it's pretty interesting. It's totally interesting. And it, 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 but it's also good because that could give you hope that it's not, that, that it is something that over time, just like we've evolved in so many other ways, we can, totally evolve in that way also. I mean, I think 
I wish I had had my book when I went into parenting. I think if I understood and if my husband had also read it and together we understood how so many sexist assumptions were going to land us in a really bad place, we would have done a much better job of working together, staying on top of equality, and we would have had a much better time in the early years of our kids' lives, which of course were wonderful, but were also fraught because we weren't getting along as well as we might have. And I... It's hard because we all want it to be better now, obviously, for us. I don't want to, I I want things to, of course, be better for my kids and my grandkids, but I also want things to get better for all of us who are of our generation. And most of us, if if we're in our 30s, our 40s, you know, our 50s, even, we we still are, when we're still raising kids, there's still time to try to at least um, bridge the gap between the two parents. But Part of the thing, and we have a lot of actually engaged listeners who, um, you know, who are engaged to be married. And I guess it's the whole, it's what we can learn from this that, yes, you need to start talking about this. You need to know that the statistics on couples who start to have trouble once they have kids skyrockets and that your marriage before you have kids and your marriage after you have kids is going to be so different. So start talking about it before you're even married. Start talking about it before you have kids. Yeah. Um, I, I think like forewarned is forearmed. And I think if you've really given a lot of good thought to how this is going to go, you're in a much better position. One of the research teams, the Cowans, who are these kind of renowned couples therapists and researchers, they were stupefied by the couples they talked to. And they say, they wrote in their book, you know, these couples act as if the division of labor were some sort of virus they picked up in the hospital when they were having their baby, as opposed to about decisions that, that they had made. And that's actually how it feels. I, you know, I, I, could relate, I could relate to those couples in their study. I'm like, yeah, that, that's how it feels. I don't feel like we did any of this on purpose. So I think um, kind of, again, having all this information as you go in is, is super helpful. And I, I honestly, you know, I, I wrote the book that I would have liked to have before I became a parent. And I feel like it's, you know, really useful to people. Yes, yeah, awesome. That's exactly what we're trying to do with this podcast. Is yeah, we feel the, the same, same way. Thing yeah, that we wish. You know that, and and I think that 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 is so great. And I do think that more and more people are starting to maybe open up because it, it's just we're we're just a more open society now in so many yeah. ways that yeah. it's here. But um, okay. But so for now, to, to concentrate on now and what do we do and everything because. It does sound like the, the soccer story to me that, um, like, really near and dear to me that the the idea that there was this couple who the who the mom said, "Oh yeah, my husband's totally in charge of all the soccer," and but when you looked at it and you broke it down, okay, so he took the kids to soccer, he went to the games, maybe he even went to the practices, but she was still getting the uniform ready. She was still in charge of snacks. She was still getting the phone calls if the game was postponed or anything. Sign up, yeah. So the idea that that it seemed like they were, he was really in charge of soccer. Yeah. Well, no, he was in charge of soccer of, of being present at the 
Right. That the story that couple told was that dad was in charge of all the soccer. And it's Annette Leroux, who's that researcher. Her book is um, Race, Class, and Family Life. So she's the one who was making these ob observations. And what she said was the couples that she saw would often tell that story or some version of that story because they were egalitarian. And their attitudes were dad should be in charge of half. But when you really looked closely at the couple, the story didn't match the behavior. And one interesting research finding is that attitudes actually do not predict behavior. And you, you know, you would wait, so explain that further. What do you mean, attitudes so, do not? So even if couples have egalitarian values and attitudes, it doesn't mean that they have an egalitarian division of labor. Um, and in fact, what the re what a lot of researchers will say is that. Um, attitudes stand in for behavioral ideals. So the couples will say, oh yeah, we're super egalitarian, but then when they actually look at the vision of labor, mom has done all the soccer tied up, the snacks, the uniforms, um, the rescheduled games, and dad takes them. And they say, yeah, we split everything because they want to feel like they're living their values, um, which turns out to be super hard to do. Yeah, well, that's, that's for sure. Our marriage, whether or not we're 60 40 or whatever the division is i don't want this to be we we've spent so much energy and so much fighting on it i don't want my kids to have the same thing so it's sort of like okay well how do we not have this happen for the next generation i think the first thing we do is debunk the myth right i mean the myths we went into child rearing with were that it wasn't 1950 anymore and things were amazing. And that was half the story, but it was only half the story. So if we know the full story and we don't mythologize the truth, we can really decide to live differently. Right. We also talked about the mental load, about the idea of, again, making the, uh, the invisible visible and making almost an, an Excel document where you yeah. kind of write it all down, get it all out and, Sort of then you can see, first you can see, okay, well, here really is all that I'm doing and here really is all that you're doing. And then maybe once you see all that, um, because I had people from the Mental Load episode, I had them, they would, they would um, email me or message me and say, I listened to it with my husband and he really had no idea. He really, once he listened to it, he was sort of like, Oh my God. Yeah. So that's where your head has been. So that's yeah. what's going on. Yeah. And maybe by getting it all out there and by first kind of purging it in a sense, yeah. and then starting from this place of, okay, here it all is out on the table. Now let's figure out how do we redistribute? Yeah. I, I saw a woman on Twitter um, commenting on one of those stories saying, you know, the couples therapist, she and her husband was seeing, were seeing um, said to her, I want you to, to spend like a week writing down everything that's on your plate each day, um, the mental load stuff. And so she did that and brought it to the next session and showed her husband and he had no idea. Um, and I thought that was a really good idea, like a really good way to communicate something that's kind of hard to communicate. Like I have it in my head that we're out of um, cereal and I have it in my head that um, someone has to get you know, our kid to her rehearsal for her dance recital on Thursday. Um, and I have to, I live in New York City, I have to move the car, you know, kind of all the things that are in that are in your head. Um, so yes, communicating that 
is important and it's a hard thing to illustrate. I, I've talked to, I've had some interesting conversations with men. Um, I was talking to a guy at a party maybe a year ago and the, the book that I was working on came up and he said to me, you know, I feel like my wife and I, they had a five-year-old or six-year-old, my wife and I split things pretty equally. But as I'm talking to you, I realize my daughter started summer camp yesterday and I have no idea how that happened. And it was, it seemed like such an aha moment for him, even that little conversation. And I was like, right, exactly. You know, he was, he was kind of laughing and in recognition of this thing. Um, and I just, it, I just really liked the, the way he like, oh yeah, when kind of confronted by it. And I expected, I've written a bunch of articles related to the book and I expected emails from men kind of saying this is stupid and this is, you know, horseshit and whatever. And I, I certainly got those, but I also got emails from men saying, you know, um, this is right on. I really see myself in this. People are always telling me what a great dad I am, but I always feel a little like chagrin in the back of my mind because I know my wife looks so much more and thank you for putting this into words. So it's been interesting to hear that kind of thing from men. And you talk about Esther Perel some in the book, who I am obsessed with, Adam. We'll she's tell back. You. Uh, yeah, she's Esther back. Perel's back. She always comes back. So, and you talk. Armchair expert. Do you guys listen to Dak Shepard's podcast? Yeah, I do listen to Dak Shepard's podcast. Yes, and she was. He, she had a great interview on there. Yeah. I listen to it yet. It's on my phone. It's really good. But you say even in the book, you you, you reference the fact that she even says. And the couples that, okay, so for real, chore play is a thing, right? Like chore play is a thing where where you, if, if we have a husband or a partner, whomever it might be, who is helping and who is seeing us and what needs to get done and how much we're carrying and they help take care of it, that's like a big turn on. And, and that those are the couples who, number one, they're having more sex. Uh-huh. Two, they they're, they're they're happier across the board. The women are more satisfied. The men are more satisfied. Everybody's happier. Yeah. So why aren't we doing it? Um, you know, do you want my most cynical answer or something? Else? Yeah. No. Whatever you. I mean, for real. It just it you know it seems like a no brainer, right? Listen, yeah. do the dishes. Help me a little bit more, and you will get more sex. Like it is. We are that easy. So yeah, there, there, but you're, you're, what you're bringing up, there is actually research that shows that couples in which men do more than a third of the household labor are the only couples, um, like in the last decade, to have experienced an increase in sexual frequency in a time period when sexual frequency in marriage has gone down. So that's a, re- that's a really interesting um, research finding. And it also um, contradicts a finding from like 10 years earlier so, like, there was a finding from, I think it was from the 90s that showed that couple that, and there was this headline that was everywhere, of course, and the headline was, like, men who do housework have less sex. That was the headline. And, you know, so attention-grabbing, right? And so um, the conclusion have of- less the, sex? Less sex. Wait, men who do housework have, yeah, have less sex. So the, and the conclusion that the researchers drew from this, and again, this was, not like, 20 years ago, was that- men acting in feminine ways weren't a turn on to women or, you know, and, and there was more, or even like, I don't know, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind of crowd was like, well, housework makes men's testosterone go down. I don't think that's true. Although the presence of children does lower testosterone. Um, well, yes, yeah, they're in the room and you're trying to, <laughs> <laughs> hello. 
wait till they leave the room. <laughs> but so, but anyway, it seems to have flipped. So now, now the research shows that couples who are more egalitarian in terms of sharing the work do have more sex. That's true. Um, and interestingly, like the, there's so much research in this book. There's another, there's another, there's more research about like egalitarianism in countries in general and ha the more equality there is in a culture the cult the cultural level of happiness goes up for men and women both so gender equality is actually good for happiness overall and not even just in marriage planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That, yeah, that it makes total sense. And, and also, oh, and this was a super interesting fact to me, too. Um, my sister actually pointed this out to me that 70% of divorces are initiated by the white. Yeah, that's true. That's what, that's what wow. the research shows. Yeah. And right. 70% 70, 70 of divorces are initiated by the white women, 85 and older. I love this. And we just talked about this on the last episode we recorded are happier because their husbands are dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, you know, that was like the conclusion drawn by the head researcher of that study because women's happiness, this is, this is in, my, in my book, and you obviously came across the study maybe somewhere else, but right, women over 85 report the greatest happiness. And the psychiatrist who was like the head author on the study said, well, it's because they're, they don't have to um, you know, cook, do all the cooking and cleaning for a man anymore because their husbands are more likely dead. Yeah, isn't that a depressing wow. thing? I don't know if, I mean, I, I don't know how well, she- It also might be a generation, like earlier generation- it, yeah right no that's that's true but I do I don't know I, <laughs> I yeah, yeah I, I, I relate I totally relate and he can relate too because we love each other but we're both like we picture each other dead all the time right? <laughs> oh yeah we've said that more than more twice. than twice <laughs> um I mean, out like on a Friday night and I can just I mean this sounds so 1950s but I'm like I can just make mac and cheese for the kids and be done with it like I might not even eat but if my husband's home like I I cook for us and it, I don't I'm not enslaved by him I don't have to but it's kind of what we do so there is something easier when he's not here as much as I miss him and love having him around like there's some there's some ease of burden and it is so gendered and it, you know I'm sexist I'm as sexist as he is we you know we both are it's just ingrained Sure. And also there's just something, I think that you're, I think we all sort of feel like that. And it's also something nice to just about being alone also, you yeah. know, some of the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But um, another thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that you, you, talk, you talk in the book about how husbands just sometimes forget to do things that they say they'll do, right? And they, they just they say that they'll, oh, I'm going to do that or I'm going to help more with that. And then they don't. And so how, how, do we handle that? Because then we become the nudgy wife, right? We become the nagging wife who, and then a after a certain point, it's sort of like, oh my God, leave me alone. Stop yeah. bothering me about it. But at the same time, right. well, come on. I heard that from a lot of women that, you know, the mental load was hard to divide, but even tasks that could be divvied up more easily, their husbands would just forget. And if they couldn't count on them to remember, it was like, well, you can't, if you, if I can't count on you to remember, it's just making even more work for me. And I wonder if we could like reclaim the word nagging because who has to nag? 
the person whose needs aren't being responded to. So why is it the nagger who's like the guilty party? I think it's so misogynistic, right? To call, like, why isn't it the person who's not doing it in the first place, the one who's getting shit for that, right? Um, I hate that idea that women are nagging. Like, you know, when during the election, it was like Hillary Clinton was, you know, when I hear Hillary Clinton's voice, I just hear my nagging wife asking me to take out the garbage. That was what men said during the election. And it's like, you live in the house. Why do you have to be asked to take out the garbage? How is it your wife who's, who's the, um, the kind of the bad guy in this scenario? So that, that idea always just really bothers me. But yeah, I don't know how to get, I mean, clearly, if someone feels that they are in the position to forget, they don't feel like they're the person who the buck stops with. So I think, you know, typically women don't feel like they have the luxury of being able to forget. The buck does stop with them. Adam, how are you doing over there? I'm great. I'm loving the conversation. Do you have anything you want to say? Nope. Do you want to go do some chore play? <laughs> I, just, I feel like you look like some of my friend's husbands when this topic has come up. I, I don't think you like Listen, it. Does it make you uncomfortable to talk about it? Not at all. It, it's not uncomfortable at all. I completely get and understand and sympathize for everything that is being said. I, I get it. Trust me. Um, I, I think we, we've talked about this before. I, I didn't even want to bring it up in this episode and talking with you because um, it's hard for, for the guy to sit here and be part of this conversation just because it's, you know, it's about me. It's about the guys. It's about the husband. And, you know, we, we, have our, we have our things too, which could be a completely separate book, a, you know, a completely separate yeah. podcast. A different mental load, you're saying. A different mental load. Every, in my opinion, everything that you are saying, we have something else. And I'm not just saying it's a man. It could be um, a woman feeling the same way. I guess not in this situation. But there's a different mental load for guys too. Let's just put it that way. Well, what, what is it? I'm curious. Well, I, listen, I, I, I don't have it laid out. I, I didn't even want to talk about it. I didn't even want to bring it up. All I'm just saying is that, you know, that it rattles through my mind as we're talking about all the things that the dads don't do. Yeah. And it's just, I, I find it to be a little bit unfair. And, but I, I completely get and find how you can think things are unfair too. I think if we could both come together with our combined mental loads, that's the best case scenario. And I think that's the best, most fair way of doing things. Yeah. No, Does that I, make sense? I, I, I'm not I disagreeing I or arguing against anything you're saying at all. I completely yeah. agree with everything you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I can really appreciate that. And I feel like Danielle and I are sitting here having like a really fun chat. And I really feel like we're or like I'm excluding you and maligning men. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that because I don't feel like that's, um, that's productive. So I, I, um, I'd, I'd love to hear more about what you think, but I can appreciate that you don't want to talk about it. I, I, next time? <laughs> I'd, be, I'd like to be more prepared. Yeah, next time. I, I think it's good yeah. also to, for them to also just hear sort of a little bit more about that. It's, it's, listen, if it's across the board and we're all feeling like this, yeah, then we need to take it seriously. And we need to think that it's more than just, oh, well, we both have mental loads and we both need to, we need to stop and say that there's a reason why women are doing 70% of the divorcing and why we're walking around feeling like we're not being seen in a lot of ways. And I think that, that it's, you know, that it, it's something that needs to 
come out if we're all feeling like this. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think like you've been saying a few times already since we started talking, it's not the 1950s anymore. So women have come a long way and still have a long way to go. So everything that, that you're talking about absolutely needs to be discussed and, and open, opened up and be made to be fair. So you, your work is harder than ours because you have to try harder because you're coming from a place like the 1950s where you were expected to do whatever the number is, 90% of the, of the family in the 1950s. Oh, in the 1950s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not, yeah, I don't so, know. so you have to work a lot harder to be accepted and to, and, and to try to, to get help where, you know, being a man in, in the United States, it's, you know, since the 1950s, we haven't had to work so hard in, in this situation. So yeah. I don't know where I'm kind of going with this, but I, I, my point, like what I was saying before was just, there's, there's two sides to this whole mental load thing. And I think they both need to be talked about, but I think it's really important what you're doing because you you have to come so much further than we do. Yeah. And it needs to be made more aware than, I guess, our mental loads because everything I just said. You, yeah. you just have you have you have harder work to do to get there. Yeah. Are you talking about and and stop me if you don't want to talk about this? But are you talking about uh-huh. financial concerns? Like the like men feel more responsible for earning money. Yeah, well, yeah. So Danielle knows nothing about any of the bills, uh, uh, any of the payments, any of those kinds of things. So that's un- I, I know it's you know May twenty second or whatever it is, and in eight days all the bills are coming due on the first, and I have to make yeah. sure that everything could be paid and where's it coming from and is it there? If it's not, what do I do? Yeah, those kinds of things. You know, yeah. stuff that stuff that I, I handle that Danielle never even thinks about. It just happens. Right. Kind of like the father who said, you know, I'm in charge of soccer, but he has no idea or, you know, he's not because he doesn't do the, the clothes. He doesn't get the, the, the uniforms. He doesn't get. So it's just, it, it, it's, there's mental loads on both sides. So there's things that we both do that you don't even think about. It just happens. Right, right. I see. You have invisible labor too. Of course. And yeah. it goes so much further than that. There's so many other things too. Um, not that I want to even get into most of them. I, my, my point is, I want us all to just come together. Let's all just be happy. Yeah. That's along. That's that would be nice. I mean, that, that's so hard, but that sounds good to me. I'm all for coming together and being happy. Right. So like you said, let's have this Excel spreadsheet of all these things that I do as a mom. And hey, look, this, this is your side of the spreadsheet. This is all that you do. But then, you know, I could come back with, well, here's my spreadsheet. Uh-huh. And here's all the things I do, and here's the things you don't even think about or you do. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? The woman who posted about what her couples therapist had her do, I don't know if the husband did something similar. She was just saying that it was really, um, it, it, she finally got through to her husband when she was able to present that. But yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense to me that you would have one too. Yeah. And, and, and we've been talking about this for a little while now. And, you know, Danielle's started working now. She's doing, you know, a hell of a job with this podcast and our social media community. And I understand, and thanks to Danielle making sure that I did understand about there's help that needs to be done because she's busy and she doesn't have the time. And I, you know, maybe it's been a slow progression, but um, they're doing things I wasn't doing before now because I get it. 
and it needs to be taken care of. And I think, I think what you're doing and getting it out there and what we're doing and we're getting it out there, we have all these new mediums here, the podcast and you know, you're writing your book. I think it's great because it's something that we all wished we had and yeah. it wasn't available. Yeah. And we need to get it out there so other people can have it. And yeah. I, think it's, I think it's amazing that we can all do that. And I think it's just as great that you can get out there and write a book and talk to people, especially in making men understand this because it's not easy to understand the first, second or third time. Yeah. It's not easy for us to hear the first. That's why we fought. Yeah. yeah. And it was defensive. And yeah. after talking about it and learning about it and understanding it more, I take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I get more sex. Yeah. <laughs> well, my six-year-old is here. So isn't you- that what we all want? <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> we have really good timing. Sex yeah, isn't so We talk about sex. One of my children enters the room. <laughs> 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 my kind of kid. <laughs> well, All right, want to wrap it up? Well, yeah, I want. Yeah, I wanted. So, okay, so basically, I guess the question is, and I feel like there's hope, but yeah, is there is there is there hope for? Is there first of all, number one, is there stuff we can be doing right now? I, I think the I think the Excel spreadsheet is a great idea just to get it out there. It's like a first step of a, you know, I, I equated it in the mental load uh, episode to I had these organizers come. And the first thing that they did when they came was they just took all, is your kids still in the room? They, they, took all, they took all the crap out of all our closets and they just threw it down and they're like, all right, this is where we got to start. And then they, they put it in piles and they figured out what can we get rid of? What can we, uh, what, what can we put somewhere else that makes more sense? What can we, and, and to me, I feel very similar to that with the mental load that, if we can get it all out there and just say, listen, if you could do this, this, and this, and fine, you hate doing the garbage now, I'll do the garbage once a week instead of you. Like all that kind of stuff that maybe is just, I know it, it's so simplified and that's obviously not the big answer, but things like that. Are, are there other techniques that we can utilize now so that we're not just, like I said, I want it to be better for my kids and my grandkids and everything, but I also like, I'm not dead yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want it to be better for us too. Yeah. Did you come up with that by yourself? Well, I'm not dead yet. No, the the organizers, they took all the crap, they put it into a pile. I said it in the last episode. No, Where were it. you? That's exactly. Good, you were there though. <laughs> I, think we, I think we should be aware of our biases. I know I've become more aware of um, how I like, and uh, so a lot of women I spoke to that I interviewed also noticed themselves doing the same thing. Like I will go out of my way to spare my husband inconveniences and like totally inconvenience myself. So I know for me, I've gotten better at catching myself doing that and stopping myself. And my husband has gotten better at noticing when I do it and saying, no, 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 I'm going to, Oh, okay. Of course. Now he's using the dust buster. Can you hear it in the background? <laughs> no, we can't. We can't. <laughs> he's illustrating <laughs> how much he does. Around the you have to know, one thing you have to know about the marriage of Martini's audience they are used to all of it and they are like, bring it on. It's real life. We don't care. <laughs> okay, good. So, so if we, if we are aware of our biases and the things that we do to get in our own way, we can, we can be more conscious of it, you know, men as well as women. Like what is my husband doing when he's deleting all the emails from the school? Like, how is that okay? Without reading them first, how is that okay? It's really leaving something to me though. I, I think Danielle, what you're saying about throwing everything out of the closet and putting it on the floor is something that's really important. But I think too, one has to decide 
She's super cute. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She's adorable. She's taking to the door. She's cute. <laughs> in her closet. Um, I think, you know, we, we kind of have to, um, to, to really do a lot of talking and to say, if you're the one who's responsible for this, forgetting cannot be okay. And I'm not going to pick up the, um, I'm not going to pick up the pieces when you've forgotten. Like, you know, I mean, what, what are you going to, what are you forgiving? Like you for, you know, one woman told me like, you know, the car was repaired. She said, the only thing I need you to do is put the car seat back in. She says to her husband, next morning she goes to take her kid to preschool. The car seat's not back in like you know it, it's kind of st stories like that that I heard from women you know what are you going to do you're going to not put your car the car seat in because your husband said he was going to do it you're going to not put your kid in the car seat like there are things that just can't be forgotten that have to happen and everyone kind of really has to say okay I'm going to be really committed to not forgetting or in this case it was more often the fathers that I heard were forgetting things that their wives asked of them so you know the buck stops with with both of us I think has to be a sentiment yeah and I think also that doing things like having listening to this podcast together this episode together or maybe even if a guy isn't going to read the whole book which there I go again saying oh he shouldn't have to read the whole book we'll just highlight some sections for him he should read it and highlight it and then you know the way they can sit down together with each of their copies and when do the cliff notes come out <laughs> it's on the sides right yeah. No, I, I think you're right. Yeah. I think we're doing this together. We're having it out in the open. I heard a story. A woman told me that her friend's husband, who she specifically called not woke, read the, the Times op-ed that I wrote about men resisting the labor at home. This guy read the piece and handed it to his wife and said, maybe we should talk about this. And I was so excited when I heard that. I'm like, oh, wow. Women are always initiating these discussions. It's awesome totally. that someone might like see this and be like oh hey this is this sounds like us is this a problem for you i love that and i bet they had sex that night too i bet they did i'm gonna call her and, and follow up on that <laughs> get back to me on that i want to know but i do listen i really do think i i did read the whole book and oh. i do think it's uh, it's, uh, it's why do you look at me when you said that well because <laughs> I'll, I'll highlight it and give it to you but i i do think it's so worth it. it's so interesting and you pull from so many different studies and I think that even, listen, we need to talk about it, even if it's just among women to, like, it's a, I think it's a great book club book because so many of us are feeling like it. And you know Oh, what? I would love to not, be a fly no, in the wall in that not. room. No, you would no, not. No, I would not. But, but <laughs> we point. need, we obviously need to get it out. And we need to, yeah. 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 We need to talk about it. And so I, I really, I think this is the first step in even just giving it a name and and validating what we're feeling and not saying, like you said, and you say it in the book, our, our, our husbands are good guys. They're not bad guys where they're good people. And you know, like you say it in the book, they're, they're good husbands. They're good dads. That's not what we're saying. Just something needs to, to lead to something, uh, you know, to, to a little bit more. We need a little bit more. So, uh, okay. So everyone can, you know, go, the book is available all over Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all the rage. And uh, you have a website and uh, yeah, yeah DarcyLoughlin.com is the website for the book, but you're right. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everywhere you buy books. Okay. And yeah, I we'll, hope people we'll do link this. To, we'll link to the book. We'll link to the website. We'll put it everywhere. Yeah. And maybe we'll even do, if people will read it and then maybe we'll do a Facebook live and talk about it because um, it's, it's a great book. And I hope that people will get out there and, and start the dialogue because it needs to happen and I appreciate that you that you started it thank you so much and thank you so much for taking the time to talk about us to talk to us and to talk about the book oh thank you this is so fun you guys are fun to talk to 
<laughs> oh, you're fun to talk to also. Thank you so much. And keep us updated on your success. I can't wait to see. I know it's going to be, there are going to be so many women out there who are going to be so grateful. I hope so. I hope a lot of people read it because I feel like it could be really useful. So I really appreciate you helping me get the word out. Absolutely. Oh, we yeah. will. And we'll, we'll definitely, absolutely. We'll, we'll follow up hopefully in a few months, baby, and, and talk some more. All right. Thank you so right. much, Thanks, Darcy. Darcy. Have a great night. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye-bye.